Do you think startups working in the meat industry are unethical? Do you think great and really impactful companies aren't being built in places like Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates? Do you think married couples can never get funding and shouldn't create a startup together? If you've got these biases, you're going to love this episode of the Get First Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First Podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? We're excited to have the founders of Meetodoro, one of the really interesting Techstars companies uh, that I've met recently for lots of reasons that you're going to hear. Uh, welcome to the show, Rashad and Ambreen. How are you? Great. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show, David. We're very excited. Great. Uh, Ambreen, let's start with you. Um, you're the CEO of the company. Maybe give a, a brief background on yourself and tell us a little bit about the company itself. Right. Um, so it's great to be on the show, David. I'm the founder CEO and I would love to introduce myself if I have to tell you more about Ambreen. She has been into diverse roles in the past, an entrepreneur, and she's a mother, a wife, and she's a full-time businesswoman managing a full-time business. And she's a powerhouse. She wakes up every morning with a big smile despite all the challenges she has in her life. She's a totally cool, positive person. And her main role is to radiate all the energy to everyone she meets at work, at home. And people call her the CEO, while I call her the chief energy officer. So that's a quick intro about myself. Talking about my startup, Meetador, we are a global meat supply chain company. We are very data-driven company that's bringing efficiencies across the meat supply chain. We see meat as a category has not been served the way it should have been. As much as the consumption is huge, uh, it's a very high value, high volume category. And we are addressing the challenges across the supply chain related to payments, to logistics, to uh, you know documentation in terms of sourcing from different countries. And we see the Middle East region specifically is the meat consuming region. And there's a very high population of meat consumption. So we are addressing the pain points in the supply chain. That's how we evolved as a startup in the last one year. Great. It's the first intro I've heard in the third person. So I, I really think it works well. Rashad, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? And, and then I want to jump in and talk about your experiences building the company in the Middle East, because a lot of people listening may not be familiar with those communities as well as, you know, kind of the industry you're in. But Rashad, maybe tell us a bit about yourself before we get rolling. Thank you, David. Thank you for having us on the show. Me and Amreen both are glad to be on the show here. My life's not been as rocking as Amreen's life. I'm a bean counter by qualification, right? So, but I've never been satisfied being an accountant. So I moved into more diversified roles. I've done supply chain. I've done logistics, heading the supply chain for one of the largest hypermarket companies in India. 
Then I was the chief finance officer for a logistics company, a semi-government logistics company in, in Saudi. Worked there for 14 years, moved into more commercial operational roles, expanded it to eight different countries, created new lines of businesses, including the warehousing, pharmaceutical distribution, oil and gas projects for the company over a billion dollars. And here I am uh, with the Dumbreen setting up the supply chain for the meat business in the Middle East. So tell us a little bit about Meat Odor and the business model itself and the progress that you have with it to date. So Meatador is is a meat supply chain platform where we enable the, the food businesses to source from global suppliers and distribute locally. It's a dual platform where we enable sourcing as well as distribution. So we're currently doing it from five trade lanes. That's Kenya, Australia, India, Pakistan, and Brazil. We're currently operational in the UAE, but we've got a license in Saudi. We'll be opening up in Saudi by next month. By the end of the year, we'll be operational in six countries and sourcing it from 18 different countries. And by 2025, we'll be operational globally and enable cross-trade. So currently in the UAE, we more than 30% of the traders operate onto our platform. We open up the wholesale price index for the meat products. And when we say meat, it's beef, lamb, poultry, and then the seafood on the frozen side. These are the proteins that we have on our platform. We open up the wholesale prices. The meat traders refer to our platform for the wholesale prices before they place an order on the platform. We want to be a global meat supply chain company in the next three years. Well, you're well on your way. Those are some awesome early metrics and, and great progress. Now, I'm going to ruin the surprise for a lot of people, but hey, both of you are married, right? Yes. Yes. Are. That's a surprise. Yes. And you are both actually married to each other in addition <laughs> to being married. That's correct. That's so we've married correct, for the yes. last 15 years. I call Lambreen the butcheress. She's been butchering me for the last 15 years. Now she's taken it as a full-time profession. Got it. And we're going to talk about some of the challenges uh, associated with that as well. Maybe let's start there because I think that's interesting to a lot of people. I'm sure that has created specific challenges for you in fundraising. I mean, I know there are investors who just say, well, we don't want to work with a couple that's running a company that's founding a company that's married. Others don't care. I'm one of the people that don't care. It's never bothered me. I view it as less likely that there's going to be a founder breakup, right? I mean, you've been together 15 years. So talk about how that's been a plus and a minus or you know how it's been perceived a little bit in the industry as you've built the company. So yes, there was a little hesitation that there were few investors who did not really want to invest because we are a couple. We don't see that as a challenge in terms of running the company. We are both totally different individuals. We bring different skills to the table. In fact, we both complement so much each other that almost 60% of the skill set that is crucial for an early stage company to have that sort of growth to the success of the company, we actually satisfy the needs, right? So we don't see that as a challenge as such, but we do keep it discreet unless anyone investigates. And in fact, Rashid has actually removed the surname. He doesn't uh, use the family name anymore. <laughs> so we do kind of do not talk about it. And honestly speaking at work, when we work together, I mean, we don't really have time to think that we are married or we are a couple. I mean, we are colleagues, we are working uh, day and night and we totally enjoy the company. In fact, it's been 15 years and I have spent my life with him, but I never knew that there was another side of it. And that really brings a lot of excitement in our lives. And we both get to work each other as colleagues and we are exploring the new different versions. So I love working with Rashid and he's an absolutely amazing, amazing co-founder. He's a great husband, a great father, but I totally admire his skill set and the intellect that he brings to the company. 
sweat and blood that's required for many co-founder when they're starting up a, an early stage company it has to be equal from all sides from all founders right that they're coming in together when if they are together as a couple i think nobody can say that i'm doing more than what you are doing and i'm doing you don't doubt any expectations from anybody else right so that's i would say is is one of the keys that as a, as a couple that everything gets equalized I want to dig into it just a little bit more because I mean it sounds like you basically don't lead with it. If someone says, "Hey, are you married?" I'm, I'm assuming you would say yes. You're not going to mislead anyone. But your advice to people would be: you don't have to lead with that. You don't necessarily need to actively hide it either. But if it's a question that someone asks you directly, I'm assuming you just tell them, "Yeah, that's that's the case." Absolutely, yes. So we don't want to have a preconceived notion when we approach anybody that they're dealing with with somebody. They don't come up with a mindset that they're dealing with a family business rather than a startup or something like that, right? So that's what we want to do. So that's useful because I think other people that might be in that situation, I, I've been asked that question a lot. Do we just disclose that right up front? And my answer has been, hey, I don't have direct experience with it, but I think probably no. I don't think you need to lead with it. At the same time, I don't think you need to hide it. So. And it's it's worked. You've been able to get accepted into Techstars, for example. You've been able to raise capital from other investors. And I'm sure, have you run into any that have said, hey, we just don't want to be involved because you are in that relationship? Or has that not been an issue at all for you? So we've got into Techstars. That was uh, the first time that we got into an official institutional, you could say, the, the arena of, uh, of the startup, right? So that's when we, with it, we got it introduced into Techstars. And uh, ever since that, so we, we did the classes together. We did the whole program together, me and Amreen. And uh, it was an amazing experience that we were probably one of the only founders. We were a couple there. And our MD Vijay would talk about brothers being entrepreneurs or startup founders together, but never as a couple. Right. So, so this is probably the first time Techstars would have done it. I don't know if there were other couples who've done the, gone through the program. I could probably share a uh you know, an instance where I raised funds, successfully managed to raise funds where the investor wanted to investigate. Obviously, they are putting their funds, right? And they want to make sure that this woman is able to lead the business. And, you know, at times they might have had experience where when the husband moves, the woman also has to move out of the country. And obviously, we are all expats into this region specifically. So, so I was being asked like, okay, so what does your husband do? And I'm like, he's my co-founder. And that's when he really discovered. So he knew Rashid, of course, and but he did not discover. So we were quite successful in kind of keeping it hidden or discreet until he really figured that out. So that really worked. And then he, he invested in us and he invested again so twice. <laughs> Which is the goal. So, you know, I think part of the Texture's Code of Conduct is, of course, you know, let's not lie, let's tell the truth, but you also don't have to necessarily lead with something. So... In the program itself, you had, if I recall, a pretty yeah, fairly substantial kind of pivot or change to the business. Talk about the the program itself quickly for people that are listening. And particularly, you know, th this program was in UAE, right? So Vijay is a great friend of mine and an awesome managing director of ours. Uh, by the way, to clear up the mystery earlier, we have in the past funded plenty of married couples and we will in the future do that. So we have no challenge with that. But talk a bit about the program, the pivot, and maybe some of the mentorship you got during the accelerator itself in the UAE. I would love to take this question because we have had an incredible experience being at Techstars, being the early stage company and the kind of struggles we've been facing, obviously, in setting up the whole startup and managing it to get your first customers, get it up and running. 
and getting into Techstars was like a completely game-changing experience. So firstly, or from the emotional front, all the struggles and challenges that you face and coming to a space which gives you that comfort and you suddenly start to feel so safe. And especially when you meet with the mentors, they ask, how can we help? It's like you totally release all the stress that you've been having and facing. And it, it just feels like such a safe space where you are around. You can be open. You can share all your struggles. You can share all your challenges. And the whole community of being with that startup founders, and you don't feel like you're the only one, like everyone in their own space, they have challenges. And then that really makes you feel like, okay, I mean, that's pretty cool about it. I mean, we don't really have to feel that we were the only ones. And then obviously you brainstorm, you discuss what should be the right strategies. And Vijay had been an amazing mentor and obviously the entire ecosystem, we the network that we got connected with. I remember the, the whole of that VC ecosystem, because obviously being the first time founder, it was very intimidating to really pitch to a VC. And now we were actually sitting right in front of the VCs and the VCs themselves are like, oh, how can we help? So what are the challenges? And that whole experience is like just mind boggling. And it just seems like we have had like a crash course done in, in entrepreneurship and we graduate and we were, I think we made the most out of that time. We came in as a B2C company. We graduated as a B2B company. So there was a complete transformation on how we really pivot from identifying the pitfalls, navigated them. We moved our strategy, moved our focus totally. And we would probably have done that at some point, but not that quick. And with that support that we got during the program with the advices, it was so motivating. It was so encouraging. And this is the time that I would cherish for the rest of my life and obviously the kind of network that we have built. I mean, we see the effects even beyond the graduation. We do uh, have, you know, access to all the benefits. So yeah, that's from my side. I'm pretty sure she would have his. Yeah. So it's not just the program. I think even till today with the post program, we get a lot of contacts. We get people referring to the Techstars program and then coming to us and approaching us for advice, for mentoring, and for even the VCs who approach us till today from the global supply, global network that Techstars has built up. It's not just the regional network. So we, we get the global connectivity across through the Techstars platform. Since Techstars was, we, we had a program in Riyadh in Saudi, and I think it was the first accelerated program from Textiles in, in, in Saudi. It opened up a lot of space. We've made a lot of contacts into Saudi. The ecosystem developing immensely in, in Saudi and the, the economy opening up. I think this was the right thing for us as well, along with Textiles. I love that you brought up Saudi and, and you're based in Dubai, I believe, but you also operate in, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You're expanding to other places like Egypt. So you, you have this perspective on these markets that a lot of people listening may not know. Some people may say, hey, that's that's interesting. I didn't know there were startups going on in Saudi Arabia, but as we both, we all know, uh, there's a lot going on there. So tell us a little bit about your perspective of the startup communities, what's happening, strengths and weaknesses, both in the UAE, you know, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, but also in places like Riyadh. So Dubai has always led the startup ecosystem. So it has always been warm and welcoming towards establishing the small and medium enterprise business and then gradually expanded it to the, to the startup ecosystem. So they've built an environment where setting up a new business becomes very easy. 
when it comes to the licensing and establishing a new business, it's it, you can do it in a couple of hours in, in Dubai. You can get your visas in place, your bank account in place, and immediately start any activity that you want. There are about 50 free zones where you can operate from for different activities. You can do it in a mainland, and that's how easy it is. And Abu Dhabi is followed up with that, and they've given a lot of support coming in from even from the sovereign funds that they've started funding smaller funds to boost the startup ecosystem. And similarly, now it's Saudi that's catching up now. And Saudi's sovereign fund is also funding of smaller funds to develop the ecosystem there. So there are a lot of opportunities coming in. The, the government has opened up co-working spaces. They've established single window offices to for new startups to enter into the country. So it's not just the local startups, even foreign companies. If they want to establish a startup into Saudi, you can apply online, you get a license in, in, a, in a couple of days, and then you go to the country, open, you define what activity you want, you get a commercial license, and then you can open up a bank account and do the activities. So that's one part of it on, on the operational side. On the legal side, on, on the jurisdiction, so it's becoming for the investors also, the South, the Dubai and the UAE has established jurisdictions where it's become easy for the investors to form a company and do the investment. So they've got ADGM, they've got DIFC, where the international jurisdiction, people do not have to open a company in Cayman Islands or Delaware to establish a holding company. So they can establish for the investor's point of view. It's becoming a safe jurisdiction here. I just came back from Saudi today. So they're establishing similar jurisdictions even in Saudi to establish foreign companies into Saudi as well. And I think there's a lot more going on there and, and really good intentions around giving opportunities to entrepreneurs all over the world and, and particularly in the places that you're talking about that people just may not be aware of. I know during the program, you got some questions about your own business, right? Like, oh, you're in this industry that it's meat and it's, you know, is it really sustainable? And I know you've thought a lot about that and have a lot of intention around that. Love to hear a bit about your thinking on sustainability and the meat industry in general. Thank you for that question, David. I would be very happy to first start off how exactly the whole concept of Meat to Door was born. So I, as a founder, as a consumer, had my personal problem of identifying good quality meats and getting access to the good quality meats. And this was not just in the UAE. I lived in Saudi for almost nine years. And I remember that this was the same situation where I lived in Saudi. So we had to drove to a far off location, get access to the butchers and, you know, stock them up for months. So this just kind of got triggered over a barbecue night. We had actually invited some guests post-COVID and the meats did not come in time. The marination could not happen and it was kind of a screwed up experience. But it really brought on that validation, like on the spot validation where, you know, a lot of guests could actually exchange, uh, you know, opinions on where they get the meats from. And there was a lot of curiosity on really getting more transparency, more information on where the meats come from, what's the origin of the meats, and are they really antibiotic-free, hormone-free, and they look exactly the same, they cook exactly the same. So how do you really differentiate? I mean, is it really worth the price that you're paying? I mean, this was just like a trigger point for me to dive deeper into this industry, and that led me to start off my venture. And since then, there, I mean, there's been no stopping. I think it was just an idea which was not fully formed at that point in time. But we knew that there were gaps. We knew that it is a problem of not just being on the transparency side, of getting access to the source, the origin countries, and be able to make the supply chain more stronger. And then when we moved to the B2B side, 
we identified a whole lot of challenges and we evolved the business model to you know address the supply chain challenges and we are now evolved as a global lead supply chain company we did not have a background on the meat industry but we got into the space we did a lot of understanding on the meat industry and the kind of challenges that it brings and we still have a broader vision of getting full transparency from the origin from farm to fork and there's a lot of meat that is consumed in hotels and restaurants and we see that we are now moving to the origin where the source of the meats come from and we're bringing that kind of transparency in terms of the quality in terms of the pricing in terms of the availability of the stock and we're addressing a whole lot of challenges across the supply chain I mean, transparency always makes an industry better. So I got to imagine there's some people you talk to just say, ah, you know, this isn't for me. Like, I mean, if you were, for example, an investor who is, I don't know, like a vegetarian, for example, you probably wouldn't be interested in this, right? So in fact, we've got a first investor who's a veg- pure vegetarian, right? So that's... The first like, investor is a pure vegetarian. Pure vegetarian, right, from India. Surprisingly, so, so that's... But but I think you're, you're right. There's certain people who do not care about the transparency point of view. And this region where we are, there are two things very when it comes to meat. More than 70% of the meats are imported in this region, right? And more than 60% are consumed outside of home in the hotels, restaurants, cafeterias, and the food businesses. And there's a lot of wastage of food that comes in. Since meats are imported in this region, you import in bulk and a lot of it gets expired and it gets goes to the landfills and also we are getting into that space with our data-driven platform to make sure that the suppliers do the right kind of inventory that they bring into the country and even when if it's really getting near to the expiries we try to get them consumed before it gets expired so in the last three months we've saved about twenty-five thousand meals going to the landfills and we've kept ourselves a mission of about a million meals that we want to save in the next one year amazing what a great mission Waste is is terrible in that industry and, and transparency is really important. So I think they're important things that you're working on and building. You're a lean mean machine. I can't I can't remember the phrase you use of eleven people. You're only eleven people, but you're growing and uh, you're expanding. And it's really exciting to hear your story, Ambreen Rashid. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell it to us on the Get First podcast. Thank you. And just to tell you that we we currently open up the meat prices in the UAE. We're operating from five different countries, five trade lanes that we do. We've created a wholesale price index for the UAE market. So traders in the UAE do look into our platform before they do any trade transactions. So yeah, great to be a Techstars portfolio company. Great to have you in the portfolio. Great talking to you today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for your time. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First. <laughs>